Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Easter 2020, one that we will always remember, and we want to thank you for joining with us today for this service. And today we're going to give some thought to a special part of the Easter story, and we're glad that you've come and shared this time with us. You know, just uh, two nights ago, we shared our Good Friday service. And I have this uh, wood plaque picture in my office that a dear friend of ours, a neighbor of ours who's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, gave to me when she moved out of her house. And it reminded me of the Good Friday service that we have done uh, several times uh, with the uh, group from our Port Orchard Church, where they've come and they have performed the Living Last Supper. And in the Living Last Supper, they set themselves up as this picture here, if you remember. And then one at a time... It's, it's a frozen picture up front here on our stage. One at a time, one of the uh, disciples comes to life and shares his inner thoughts and his contemplation about this event and about the things that the Lord has said, the living last supper. And so today I would like to consider another aspect of the Passion Week for Easter. And I'd like to freeze a scene in a little bit as well for us to give some thought to. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we pray our ears, our hearts would be open to your word, this wonderful resurrection day that we have come to celebrate life from death. Our Lord Jesus Christ, triumph over the grave. Bless us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 24, and we're going to consider the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the resurrection story and the ascension go together. In the early church, this was a very important part of the story that they shared and they celebrated. The Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. The Apostle Paul talks about this, and he talks about how he was seen by many of the brethren, 500 at one time, and by the various apostles, and of course by himself on the road to Damascus. The ascended Lord Jesus Christ is an essential part of our Easter celebration. And so in Luke chapter 24, uh, it says that he, he said to them in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. This is the account from the Gospel of Luke, and it comes, of course, at the very end of this Gospel. As we go to the book of Acts in our Bible, which we know was also written by Luke, both Luke and Acts begin with a greeting to an individual, 
And Luke is telling the story. We kind of have a volume one and a volume two. And in verse one of chapter one, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, which of course is his ascension. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. Now in in Acts, Luke fills in a little more information, a little more detail about this ascension. This is the same story, I believe, that we have at the end of Luke. He wraps up the Gospels with that event, and then he begins Acts with the same event again. But a little more detail, a little more information as he continues the story and connects and sort of transitions between these two uh, writings that he sent to Theophilus. So verse 3, after his suffering... He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, which my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so we see here that uh, Luke tells us in the book of Acts that Jesus actually spent 40 days with his disciples. We don't know if that meant he was there continuously for 40 days or was it like the experience in the road to Emmaus where he came and he talked and he taught them and spent time with them and then he disappeared. We don't know for sure exactly, but it does tell us for 40 days he, he was involved with the disciples. He taught them. He went back, as we saw in Luke, he went back to the scriptures, and he went back and carefully explained to them which now had been revealed, which now was beginning to be understood. The same thing when Paul goes into the synagogues in the book of Acts. And in those synagogues, he goes back to the Old Testament scriptures. He goes back to passages like Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Psalm 118 that we read on Good Friday. And he goes back to these passages and explains how the Messiah, the Christ, had to come and had to suffer and had to die. He is now raised from the dead, and all this begins to fit together. And you can imagine the joy, and you can imagine the thrill of these disciples to sit at the Lord's feet. Did he fully explain to them? I would imagine he fully explained to them now the real truth of the deity of himself, of the Trinity, that he was fully God. And fully man. They were sitting at God's feet and studying the Old Testament and preparing for their ministries. He's already told them, you will be going out to do this work, to share the good news of salvation, beginning at Jerusalem and then to Samaria, where they would never go before, as we see from the Gospels, and then to the ends of the earth. And they had time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as they are spending this 40 days, and I'm sure in, in rapture with the, the joy of, of, of what he is about to, to accomplish, the king, he had been talking about the fact that his kingdom was coming. They sat there at the Olivet Discourse in the Mount of Olives, not too much previous to this time, and heard him talk about the coming tribulation that would be capped off with the Son of Man coming on a white horse, coming in the clouds of the heavens, as we read as also in Revelation. And we understand that, and they understood now what was to happen. And they were part of this. These fishermen, these tax collectors, these men from Galilee, they were part of this great story. And so we go on to read here, 
in their, their response. And they have a question for the Lord. And it's, to me, it's the most natural question in the world. Some of the commentators uh, criticize the disciples for being ignorant of asking this question. I think it's the most natural question. And I'd be surprised if they didn't ask it. The question is almost a statement. And so they, they said to him in verse 6, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, the Lord had promised them, you will sit on the 12 thrones of the tribes of Israel and judge the the tribes during the kingdom. He's been talking about this kingdom. He's been talking about returning, as he told them, as I mentioned, on the Olivet Discourse, to come, come from the clouds of heaven after the terrible tribulation. He has prophesied this. Now it's all fitting together. Now they see how it all fit together, how he had to die. He's risen from the dead, victorious over death. And now, now, Lord, right? Now you are going to come and the kingdom for Israel is going to be established. But I want you to notice his response. The Lord Jesus Christ said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say that's a dumb question. He didn't, he didn't criticize them for asking it. He just had to tell them, it's not for you to know. We know today that there was a secret. There was something that was going to change. There was something that was going to happen that had not been prophesied. If you're joining us for our uh, Bible studies from the book of Ephesians, we're offering, I've been doing a daily Bible study, the Hour of Grace. You can find it on our church website under ministries. This coming week, we're going to begin the series. Uh, we're going to begin moving in more into chapter 2 and 3, and we will talk more about this and explain uh, what, what this mystery, what this secret was. Here we are over 2,000 years later, and this question, are you now going to establish the kingdom to Israel? What's the answer? Here we are 2,000 years later, and the kingdom to Israel has not been established. What what happened? You come to the end of the book of Acts, and the the story ends with the Apostle Paul in prison, and for the third time saying uh, to to his fellow Jews, you have refused the the message, I want you to know. From henceforth, I'm going to the Gentile nations, and they will believe. And he went to the Gentile world, which included Jews, Jew and Gentile, with this new message of the church, the body of Christ. We'll consider that and talk some more if you want to join us in our study from Ephesians. But here in Acts, the Lord just says, it's not for you to know, but go back to Jerusalem and be prepared because you're about to carry on my mission. Now notice what it says about the disciples here. It says here in verse 9, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, And a cloud had hid them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly, and we're going to stop right there. Just as on, on Good Friday, we, we, we can freeze the scene of the, of the disciples, uh, at the Last Supper. I wish I had a picture like this of the disciples, now 11 of them without Judas, of those disciples gazing up into the sky. This, this word is used here that uh, Luke uses, the one that he uses several times. This, he uses it 12 times, actually, in, his, in Luke and in Acts. This intent looking. You can get this picture of these 11 disciples. I wish we had a picture of it and we could freeze it. 
of them gazing and, and staring intently. The word's very strong. They were looking intently into the sky. And they watched him, and they watched him disappear. He ascended. This is the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. He ascended into the cloud. The cloud. Remember, God appeared to Israel, to the nation as a whole for the first time, in a cloud, in the Shekinah glory, the glory of God. That cloud that came upon Moses at Mount Sinai, that came upon the tabernacle, that filled the temple, that was the pillar of fire and a cloud that they followed and camped by night and followed by day. I think there's a connection here. They watched and they saw him going to a cloud received him. And I think it was probably the Shekinah glory of God. And they were staring intently. What is this? What's happened? Waiting. Is he coming back? What's going on? And I wish we could just stop and freeze this and, and, and maybe do this scene and have each of them reveal their innermost thoughts. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? Were they afraid? Were they wondering, is he coming back? Were they wondering, what do we do without him? Were they wondering, for the second time, he's left us? Remember, they they witnessed his death, most likely from at some point, they knew he died. They knew he was in the tomb. They knew he was dead. He left them. And they were they gathered. In fact, when the message came to them, you read on the Easter story, which you read, when the message came to them, they were gathered in, in disbelief. They had to be convinced when the women came. And when and even Thomas said, I won't believe it till I till I till I see it myself. What are they thinking again? He's left us again. Were they afraid? Were they confused? Were they amazed? I wish I could enter into the mind because the idea here you kind of get this picture and acts sort of frozen gazing into heaven and the language here kind of lingers as they're gazing into heaven what are they thinking well we go to the second part of verse 10 they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In my mind, I got this picture of them staring intently into the sky, and the two angels, is obviously angels, we know this from the Gospels, that when, in the Bible, when these men dressed in white uh, show up, and they and they are and they are probably standing there with him. Maybe they're looking up too. They're standing there, and all of a sudden their gaze come down, and here's these two angels standing there with them. And it's a little bit of maybe a gentle rebuke. Men of Galilee, don't forget who you are. You are not scribes and Pharisees. You you are the men of Galilee that the Lord called. Why are you just staring into the sky? What are you looking for? What are you staring for? Remember what he said. Go back to Jerusalem. He is going to come the same way you saw him go. He is going to come again. In Luke chapter 21, as I mentioned, the Lord said, he told his disciples after describing the great and terrible tribulation and the things that would happen before the kingdom was established, and you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky. You can read that in Luke chapter 21. And the angels, with the gentle... Maybe rebuke, reminder, men of Galilee, why are you staring 
Don't you remember what he said? He is going to come the same way he left. He is going to come again. And after they said that, the men left. And we, we, we see here in the book of Acts, it says that they returned to Jerusalem in verse 17. From the hill called Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the journey. They go back probably to the upper room. And they are joined in verse 14 uh, with, with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But it says they all joined together constantly in prayer. And we read in Luke's, they went back rejoicing. After that moment of frozen, staring in the sky, they are reminded and they go back rejoicing. Easter. 2020. I have to admit, um, there are times during these last weeks when I've been doing some stargazing. Every so often, we'll see a picture of things we used to do, remember? Uh, you'll see something on television or somewhere, like a picture of a sporting event. I reflect back on just how many weeks ago we had over 100 kids in our gym playing basketball. How many weeks ago I was here with you, sharing our services. How many weeks ago were you able to go out and have a cup of coffee and sit and chat with somebody and meet with somebody, share the gospel, be able to go to school, go downtown, go shopping, do things that we just take for granted and carry on. I don't know about you, but when I see a reminder of this, I was just looking at some photos on my computer the other day, it's a, Watching my kids play sport, my grandkids play sports. Watching a family birthday party. Working out in the yard with, with our family. It just seems so far away now, doesn't it? Can you, it's just, it's hard to even imagine what it's gonna be like going back to that. I, I maybe, I feel like the disciples staring into heaven for a moment, stargazing and wondering, what, what's next? How is this going to unravel? How is this going to end? How is it going to change? How will it get back to normal? Will it get back to normal? Will it ever be the same? You know, every generation, there are life-changing events that take place, and some things will never be the the same again. Some of the things that we long for, going to church, being close together, ministry, gatherings, what will it be like when we finally can do that again? Are we going to miss some things from this time? Are we going to miss some of the family time that we see people having that they normally don't have? Are we going to ever have that appreciation for certain people doing certain essential work? Who would have ever thought uh, at 8 o'clock at night in my neighborhood hearing noise and celebration honoring healthcare workers? People working in stores. Who would have ever thought people working in the stores when you check out, literally putting themselves in danger by doing this? Will we ever appreciate that again? Maybe we'll miss some of the leisure. I'll miss in my neighborhood seeing 20 times, literally, the people when we go out for our evening walk all over our neighborhood. Kids playing outside, which I hardly see. Bikes, walking, jogging, and people are friendly. Everybody's in this together. There are some things that we long for. There are some things we're going to miss. I don't know, maybe like me, maybe you've caught yourself stargazing and wondering, what will it be like 
will ever be the same. And I just want to conclude today this Easter message. There are many words, if, I, if, if we were here in the church today and I could maybe ask, ask you, what are some words that come to your mind that uh, describe the impact of Easter on your lives? And one of the words that has come to my mind this year is hope. Easter, hope. The angel said, men of Galilee, just as you saw him go, he is coming again. And that encouraged them, to, it kind of brought them back and, and they went on and they carried on what they were supposed to do. And every one of those disciples, as far as we know, every one of those disciples ended up giving their life for what God called them to do. It wasn't easy, but they did it. They went back. And I think of the Apostle Paul, as he says in Second Timothy, at the end of his life, at my first defense, no one came to support me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I think it's good reminder that when we stop and maybe some of that fear, maybe some of that anxiety, maybe some of that wonder, uh, whatever the thoughts are that, that come our way during these, these unusual times with the Apostle Paul to remember, we don't have two angels standing beside us, but the Lord himself is right here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul says in Romans, what can separate us from the love of God? The Holy Spirit is within and so this Easter, my message for you is Easter hope. We have hope. Christ is coming again for his church. Christ will never leave us. Christ is coming again for this world. As he left, he will come again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I just want to close it by saying, if you're listening to this broadcast today, and we thank you for sharing it with us, and if you've never Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you'd like to have that hope and assurance, if you'd like to have the Lord standing beside you, the Holy Spirit within, if you would like forgiveness for sins and salvation, and know that you have received God's grace. As I mentioned, we're studying Ephesians together and in chapter 2 after describing the, the separation by sin that we have between God and humanity and Paul goes on to say, but God, who is rich in his grace and his mercy, in which he loved us, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. And I just ask you today, as you're watching this, where you are, you could receive the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He died in the cross of Calvary. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is coming again for us, for his church, the body of Christ, and he is coming again to reign on this earth and set up his glorious kingdom. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. And you can invite him into your life by simply acknowledging your need for salvation, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and he will forgive you for sins by accepting him as your savior. God bless you. Thank you for joining this Easter service with us. Let's pray. Father, as we conclude this time, we thank you again for the, the Easter message, 
It's not just a story. It's the Easter message, the message of hope, grace, and mercy. And may we live with that assurance and that awareness of your presence with us each day. We pray in Christ our Savior's name. Amen.